Welcome to ITAD Talk and part two in this series. Here is your host, Jeff Bittner. So how has the business changed over time? You know, um, from internally standpoint, our internal standpoint, our business has changed because it's become a more of a service-based business. And I think mm. a lot of businesses are starting to realize that. Um, you know, it was very heavy retail where, you know, people would show up with your scale, drop, you know, drive across scale, sell the material. And for us, our business has really changed um, from a service standpoint. So we, you know, we, and I think across the country that the, the industry has changed in this regard of, you know, bins, roll offs, drop boxes, you know, um, moving trucks, you know, going in, you're going to, we have to go get the material, right? provide that extra layer of service, especially in tight labor times like today where, you know, you, you know, you've got to provide that service to go get the material if you want to, you know, feed your, feed your facility. So that's probably been the biggest change I've seen over the course of my career so, is so, the so, service aspect. So when you say service and you're picking it up, so does that mean that now you've got them like on a monthly fee perhaps because you're leaving containers there or just the sense yeah. of service that you're you're going out to get the material versus them? Yeah, you're going out to get the material. And in the, in the scrap metal biz, recycling business, it's not, it's not necessarily like the trash business where there's a set fee and you're doing it once a month and here's your container drop costs. Those costs are figured in because you obviously have to buy the equipment, provide the, the truck and the driver, et cetera. So it's um, that that is part of, you know, when you look at what price you can pay for the material. But because it's still a commodities for profit recycling industry, we're still we're paying our customers for that material. Right. Um, it's uh, not like your traditional trash or construction debris or whatever. You know, that has some value once a heavy amount of processing has been put into it. The commodities that we're we're picking up, that we're that we're delivering boxes and trailers for, still have enough value over and above the you know the the box and delivery drop fee that you know we um, it's uh, um, not necessarily on our on our per fee basis deal, right? Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, it does. Um, So along with that, can you tell us a little bit about the recycling operations, like what your core focus groups are? You know, we we are very um, base metals here in Idaho. You know, we don't live near a port where you get a bunch of uh, crazy alloys, say from um, marine like if you go toward, you know, towards the coastlines, whether it's to the Gulf coast, the West coast, the East coast, um, you see a lot of different um, funky alloys. We don't really see that in our area. We're very, very heavy ag still. We do have a decent manufacturing base in Idaho, but we see a lot of, you know, just copper, aluminum, um, brass and steel, iron, ferrous material. So, that's kind of our primary focus and our, you know, what we see the most. You know, I noticed, you know, you guys are in the, you know, electronics disposal recycling industry, correct? Yeah, we kind of focus on the data center uh, market. Uh-huh. Okay. And so for us, you know, when we, we have a few data centers over here in Idaho, not nearly what they have in other, you know, states and other regions, but, you know, we recently did, oh, a customer called us 
and said they're doing a data center um, demolition project. So they came in, pulled the um, the generators, the backup generators. Mm -hmm. They pulled the the gear, the switch gear that was still have value that could go to another data center, and then basically they brought us in to peel all the old Cat Five, Cat Six, um, any of the MCM, you know, the flooring. Because this facility had those drop floors where they run under everything underneath um, the big cooling units to keep the servers cool. Um, so th that's more our wheelhouse. So that's that's kind of the the field we play in is you know the the which is a complementary to say individuals and companies like yourself that go after the the actual components that can still be reused and repurposed. Right. So you mentioned in your bio that you uh, work with uh, friends that you've hired. And uh, so I was wondering if you had any, any stories about that or any of the, the relationships that you've um, kind of uh, strengthened uh, through, through working with your friends. You know, I, I went to school, I went to school in Oregon um, and came home after I graduated. I was the first person in my family to ever go to college, ever step foot in one. Um, and, uh, and when I say family, I mean, cousins, aunts, uncles, right. Um, and, uh, so my, it was a pretty big day the day I, I graduated, I, I got my, uh, my, my business admin degree. Um, and, uh, my parents were there and I remember asking my dad, you know, Hey, what day? And I graduated on a Saturday and I said, Hey, what day are you ready for me to come to work? And he said, Monday would be fine. <laughs> And uh, I said, okay, you know, I'll take it. I've been probably, I've kind of been, I played college football, so I've been for the last five years, you know, going to school and, and doing what I need to do. I figured it was my turn, my turn to to go help help them out. But throughout my process, I had uh, became good friends with some guys, you know, that I played sports with and whatnot. And I re I was re I recruited um, my buddy now, who's the president of United Metals. Um, I went, him and I played the same position in college and I kind of recruited him over the years. And I said, Hey, you know, I want to get done here. And he was a business degree guy. Like I was, I said, Hey, I've got a family business at home. I want to go back and run it. This is what we do. And I think he was intrigued at the time, but he ended up getting a girlfriend and they wanted, he was going to, and who later became his wife and they moved um, to back to Pocatello so she could finish her degree and then to uh, Washington because she uh, was in the military. So he called me, you know, and, and through him, I had met some other guys and um, one guy went to U of I and th that guy called me and said, Hey, I'm, I'm in Seattle. I'm looking for a job. Are you guys, are you guys hiring? And I said, yeah, yeah. I, I knew him. And so I brought him in and uh and we all stayed friends over the years and then my buddy that moved to washington called me his name's tom and tom said hey i'm i'm gonna get divorced is uh <laughs> are you guys still hiring over there in idaho and i said absolutely man so i said get over here <laughs> so you know i him because we had stayed really good friends you know i brought him in and then um another guy that they went to high school with him and i became friends he's now our cfo um it's, so it's really been just a years of making those connections and us all being close friends and just kind of waiting for the right opportunity that made sense for everybody at the time. Um, but uh, so that's kind of how a lot of those connections, so I say I get to work, you know, work with my friends every day. Like I'm not bullshitting anybody when I say that, like <laughs> a lot of us are still good friends. 
we, you know, we, we all have our lane, you know, my one buddy is our CFO. Him and I sit next to each other every day. He keeps me on my toes, keeps me, uh, keeps me selling material versus trying to hoard everything. Um, he keeps, so I, we, so we're good cash flow wise. And then, uh, nice. my, my 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 buddy that I played college football with, he's the president of United Metals, so he handles basically everything from soup to nuts for the for that company, and then uh, and handles all our insurance and whatnot. And then we just it's just a it's just been basically kind of a hey, who do you know that is interested in working that's a good <laughs> that's a good human, and we can teach him a good human, you know, yeah. teaching the the scrap business right or the pipe business or. You know, we, we hired our, you know, one of our bankers who was just a really good guy to help to run our storage business that we're building. And I said, you know, like, we're just looking for good people that we can be friends with outside of work. We enjoyed our company because we're going to spend so much time together building this thing. I want to, I want to enjoy the people I'm around every day. So. Well, that's, that's a really neat story. I like that. Um, and, and I think that culture is such an important, I mean, it's almost, uh, more important to hire somebody that's um, that's people smart and a good culture fit rather than somebody that's uh, maybe got technical skills because you can hire people with technical skills and they can just come in and just you know piss everybody off and then you've got morale problems and things like that so yeah I think people overlook culture so much right I mean and I'm not saying there, I have a lot of friends I would never hire. Right. Like I don't <laughs> mind going and drinking a beer with you after work. Right. Like we, we can be friends, but you just don't fit the way we do every, every day. Right. Like it doesn't mean nothing against you, but we, and I, I enjoy your company, <laughs> but I just don't want to like, you know, there's work a certain, <laughs> yeah, there's a certain uh, way of doing things that we, that we do and a certain culture that we, we, we maintain because we understand the value of it and the importance of, of, uh, of, of growing our business and, and with the right people. And so I think that it's an often overlooked, you're starting to hear people discuss it more because people are trying to figure out a, how to hire people. Like, what do we need to do to hire people? I'm like, well, you know, you got to provide them an environment that, you know, they, they want a, want to be in, you know, and, B, it's most people anymore are starting to realize that, I mean, as good as it is to make, you know, a zillion dollars a year, I think people realize that, you know, money is only takes you so far if you're mm. absolutely miserable doing what you're doing and who you're doing it with or for. And, you know, we don't take that lightly. You know, that that's, that's an important point that, that you brought up. Um, you know, you were uh, pretty outspoken about some of the challenges with wind energy and electric cars. And I just wondered if you had anything more to add to some of that as far as the, the logistics problems that, that go along with those industries. You know, my biggest thing is, you know, I, I'm in the recycling industry, right? I'm in, you know, I, it's, I, I, I feel like we, we benefit from these these new technologies from you know the the green um awareness and the green that's coming right green jobs sustainability and and all those um key words that are being thrown around my 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 thought process on it though is is you have to crawl before you run and I feel like right now we're getting ourselves caught in an energy issue, energy crisis, because we're trying to stamp out 
you know, all these, you know, green initiatives and which with aggressive timelines and, you know, tax incentives and stuff that just really, it sounds great, but it doesn't make sense on paper when you st really start running the numbers. And I pay attention to a guy, his name's Matt Watson, and uh, he's a smart guy and uh, he knows his, his PGM medals, but he also knows his uh, rare earth medals and, you know, in gold, silver, and what it's going to take to actually power and and operate these solar, wind, um, grid that's coming that 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 everybody everybody wants to see, you know. And, and I think you can want it to see it, and you can you know you can see potentially the how the effect it can have. But I feel like there's a lot of salesmanship. There's a lot of marketing that's going on behind the scenes, you know, for what's really possible, what we're really capable of without spending $20 trillion. And that's all I'm, that's all I'm vocal about. I mean, I'm positioning our company, our companies to be in, to, to be able to be a part of it and participate in it. I just want to make sure that everybody's aware of what it, what's all going on with it. And that's, that's, that's why I'm vocal about it is just read through you know, take a, a a look outside CNBC, or <laughs> you know, you know, go, do the do your own research, do the due diligence, and just like any topic out there, right? Like, don't believe the Facebook headline you read. Like, go do. I mean, you know, dig into something, try and prove the story wrong, you know, or get both sides of whatever story it is. And that's I just want to make sure that even though I am in the industry and I am a part of it, there's more to the story I think than's being led on, and that's all I'm just advocating it's just just okay you know do the due diligence got it so how did the covid uh, virus uh you know affect your business you know um it, it in some ways it positively affected us um you know it was it was pretty touch and go there for the first few months because nobody really knew you know what was going on so it was uh you know the the commodities markets really got you know, they got crushed there for a couple months, you know, March, April, it got mm -hmm. really, really hammered. So, because obviously that, that that's where we live in the commodities industries. I mean, that we felt those effects. Um, but then the bounce coming out of it was, was so strong that um, it was a matter of, you know, trying to keep up and, you know, then trying to keep our workers and our guys and, our, you know, our staff, just in a, in a positive frame of mind that, you know, we, we weren't shutting our business down. We're, we're, we're going to keep battling through it. We're financially in a good position to weather the storm, whatever the storm is. And, you know, and I think it, that goes back to your culture and morale and people believing in you that you're going to do the right thing and be able to keep them, you know, safe and keep them working. Um, so it, I think it actually in the long run benefited us so far in the fact that, you know, it, it, it maybe renewed the, the faith in our guys and gals that, you know, we were going to be able to weather a storm like that. But then also, um, you know, just the commodities prices have really rebounded, you know, because of all the supply chain issues and, you know, just the, the, the green and the, the sustainability um, march and it's going forward. So, I mean, it hasn't, it hasn't been the worst thing. I mean, and, and health wise, luckily we've, you know, our, our, our crew and our team has, has weathered that storm as well, pretty well. So we're, we're thankful on that front. 
Okay. And then I was going to ask you, um, what was the motivation behind you starting your podcast, A Scrap Life? And how has that experience been so far? You know, I'm, I've really enjoyed my podcast. The motivation for me, so I, I bought a pipe company that was based out of Indiana um, uh, a few years back. And um, we, I, I started what a podcast called Reline Unknown. What it was a reline, a pipe reline business. Mm, and okay. I, it was an, it was a kind of a bolt on to our existing pipe business. And I started the podcast just for, to create awareness around the reline industry. Cause it's kind of a, uh, you know, it's a, it's not, it's not very well known, like what it actually does and what was going on. And plus I did it cause I, I wanted to learn more about the reline industry. So I was able to get, you know, super smart people that understood the reline process that understood, you know, what all goes into it and, you know, the different techniques and get them on a podcast, pick their brain, talk to them about their business themselves, you know, what they knew about the reline industry. And then obviously put that out for other, other people to, uh, to listen and enjoy as well. But really my passion has always been around scrap metal recycling. Um, and so I'm like, you know, someday it was kind of like my warm up, my test run at my, you know, scrap life podcast. So it was enabled me, I it was able to take that part, the, the reline unknown and let a, a gal that we had hired at that time, um, Cassie Jordan now take that over and run reline unknown. And then I could move on to a scrap life and then get really dig into the part of the industry I knew the most about. And so uh, you know, the coolest thing for me is I get to talk to, you know, people that, you know, grew up in the industry or are part of the industry and really just kind of talk about something we're all passionate about and meet a ton of people from, all, you know, all different walks of life and different um, geographic locations and just talk about, you know, their upbringing. And, you know, similar to the questions you're asking me today, like, how'd you get where you got, you know, what, you know, what prompted you, what, what pushed you to get here and, you know, and what reflecting back on it, like, you know, how's the journey been, you know, and those conversations are always fun for me to have. Yeah, they definitely are. Is there, is there anything you think uh, I've missed or haven't asked you about or that, that you might want to share? You know, not really. I mean, like I said, I just appreciate the opportunity. Um, I enjoy sharing my story. I'm proud of, you know, where, where my family came from and, you know, the good old school hard knocks and just a bunch of, you know, grinder, you know, previous generations that, you know, that hustled and, and work had strong work ethic and was, and I got lucky enough to, for them to pass that on to me. And, uh, so I'm pretty blessed on that front. Um, and so I enjoy, you know, I'm proud of, I'm, I'm proud of the story. So I, there's, I think I'm, I'm always willing to share it, I guess, you know? Well, well, Brett, I really want to thank you for, for being on the show today. And uh, I think you've been in a really interesting story. And I think uh, both you and I have a lot in common on uh, work ethic and, uh, and, and business structure and building and, and uh, also um, on working with people, which is a really important part of our business. So I just want to thank you again for being on the show. Likewise. Thank you for the invite. Okay, and maybe we'll hope to talk to you soon, or we never know. We may end up uh, doing some business. Yeah, I'd love the opportunity. You have my you have my information now. That's the other cool thing about the podcast, um, you know, and, and is making those making those connections. Is I mean, you never know when you get a phone call from a certain 
certain area or whatever, you know, Hey, I got, you know, some material over here or something for you to look at. Like I may not be the answer, but I might be able to guide you to somebody mm -hmm. that is or vice versa, you know? And I think I've just enjoyed making those connections for other people as well. Like, Hey, you know, go talk to this guy. You know, I've, I've met him before. He's very, you know, seems like a very, you know, trustworthy individual, you know, nice. maybe you guys can, can work something out. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, that definitely works, uh, works good too. I mean, uh, working with our current basic contacts that, that we know are trusted, which, uh, that, that's the funny thing. It's like anytime I want to do anything, whether it's even something around the house or something, I'd much rather go with a referral than have to go through the phone book and wonder if, you know, if I'm going to get screwed or not. <laughs> oh yeah. And that's why reviews are so important, right? I mean, you know, anytime we've ever started a new business or whatever, I'm like, make sure that people that you're talking to, if they really like the service and they, you know, appreciate what you've done, then have them give you, you know, have them give you a review. And I said, and on the flip side, if you like what somebody's doing for you or you, you know, you, you, they've done you a good job, then take that five minutes out of your day and just send a review to the, you know, whether it's Google or, you know, uh, Yelp or, you know, whatever that is. I mean, it doesn't take that much work and it, and it can make a big difference for that person in their business, especially if you, you think that they have value to offer, you know, other people. Yeah, that's, that's a really good point. I appreciate you bringing that out. Well, once again, I just want to thank you for everything and uh, we'll look forward to speaking in the future. All right. Take care, man. Right. Don't forget the best way to support ITAD content is to rate and like the show on iTunes, Google, Spotify, or anywhere you might listen.